Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day, and I thank you for your word. And Lord, I know that we, we've come to you today to hear from your word and to hear specifically from this passage in the gospel according to Luke. And Lord, I would ask that you would prepare our hearts. Lord, I'm asking that you would guide my words down to the very words that I say, the, the way I say them. God, I ask that your spirit would be a present reality in these things. Or we are not coming to you alone, but we are coming to you with the power of the Spirit to speak your truth. And I just ask that you would enable that to happen this morning. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, I'm going to read through our passage for today. And then I'm going to go back and we're going to break it down a little bit. Um, so let's just read through it. Just read through it once. I'm going to click through these slides here. And uh, you can follow along up here. I've got them up here for you. Uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 20, uh, we're going to go to the, the end of this, verse 20, though, starting off. Being asked by the Pharisees, this is Jesus being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And then he shifts gears here, and he says, and he said to the disciples, Luke does this a few times where he shares times where Jesus was answering some public thing. And then Luke gives us a glimpse to some teaching with just the disciples later. So he turns to his disciples. He says to his disciples later, the, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. And you will not see it. And, and they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But in the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? He said to them, where the corpse is, where the body is, there the vultures will gather. Now, there's a couple ways that we could tackle this passage. I know that some of you are chomping at the bit right now. Some of you are just, there's saliva coming from the edges of your mouth because you're like, ooh, in time stuff, yeah. Okay, I get it. It's fun to talk about those things. But I'm going to tell you right now, the two ways we could look at this I think one is the right way, and I think the right way to look at this is for what this passage is. This passage is a warning passage. Did you pick up on that? Jesus is warning them about something. Who was he warning? All those warnings he gave, who were, who were the warnings to? Was it to the Pharisees? Come on, guys, answer. No? Who was it to? The disciples. Okay, let's not forget that. I think most of you in this room would claim at least this one degree, one degree or another to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus. Maybe your understanding of that's way over here. Maybe your understanding is that way. But I think the fact that you're in a church shows that at least to some degree you're wanting to follow Jesus and his teaching. So, so this warning then is not for out there. It's for right here for us. So I think if we aren't careful, we'll miss the warning. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's take a look at those first two verses again. 
the, the introduction of this and how the ball gets rolling in this conversation is from the Pharisees. The Pharisees, I know we get a bad taste in our mouth you just even saying Pharisee, like Pharisees, you want to spit when you say it. But the Pharisees, you have to understand, were the scholars of the word of God. They knew the word. They knew so much of what the Bible said and taught. And so, so many of these things that Jesus has been doing and saying are very much Messiah sort of things. And they knew it. He knew it. They all knew it. And so the Pharisees then, like many of us, ask him an end times question. Right? The Pharisees say, when is the kingdom of God going to come? And Jesus' answer to them is this. Now listen carefully to his answer to them. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Now keep that in mind because in a minute he's going to talk about something that's going to come like lightning striking from the east to the west. Now is that observable? Have you ever seen lightning strike? Is it pretty obvious? Like if you're out, if you're out at night and the lightning strikes, you could be paying attention to a hundred other things. Doesn't that become very observable when the lightning strikes? But yet here he says the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. So what in the world is he talking about? He says, nor will they say, oh, here it is, or there, for behold. But then he says this, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's right, in other words, it's right here. It's right here. Now, I gave an illustration uh, quite a while ago, and I, I tried to come up with another version of this illustration. It's super cheesy. I apologize for my graphics. I'm there. You're not going to find some clever CGI here, okay? Um, I, I, I've got this picture, okay? So... From the Pharisees' perspective, and most people up to the point of Jesus, when they looked at anything that had to do with the end, and this is what the Pharisees are asking about, is the kingdom, right? The kingdom. And so they look from their Old Testament perspective, and they're like, the hills and the mountains, and there's the kingdom laid out before them, okay? One of the things that Jesus does, and I apologize for my poor technical abilities here, but I'm going to go ahead and pop it up here. One of the things that Jesus does, he starts showing something that they missed all along that we can see much more clearly now. These green hills in the front, that's the green hills of the gospel, what Christ came to do, the establishing of the kingdom. And one of the things that we know now is that, oh, I'm sorry, this is so, so bad. Oh, oh, where, what's behind those hills? What is it? Oh, there's a big, long road between the two. Do you like that? Do you like my technical skills? That was high tech, wasn't it? <laughs> you guys aren't impressed, are you? No, y yes? Okay, somebody was impressed. Here's the thing. This is one of the things that we know now about the kingdom. There's a, you can find books about the kingdom, expansive, technical, all sorts of things. I'm going to give you a very brief understanding of what is going on with the kingdom. The kingdom came and was established with Christ, okay? The kingdom of Israel did not ultimately work. And so Jesus comes as the Messiah to establish the kingdom. And suddenly the kingdom is much more expansive than they knew from the Old Testament. It was supposed to be that way all along. Abraham was supposed to be a light to the world. Israel was meant to be a light to the world. But they failed in this, so the Messiah was necessary for a whole big long list of reasons. One of them was to establish this kingdom and save his people. And one of the things that we've learned about Jesus is this. When he came and established that kingdom, he said, I'm doing this now. The kingdom is established. So what did he tell the, the Pharisees? They're like, when's the kingdom? They're asking about the end. And he says, the kingdom is not coming that way. Now, there's a whole bunch of Old Testament things that look like big mountains of kingdom. And Jesus says, that's not, they're, they're missing it. And he says, what, it's right here. In fact, he was literally saying to the Pharisees, I'm right here. I'm, I'm right here. This, see these things happening around us. I'm right here. The kingdom is happening right now. And you see all these messages of Jesus where he talks about to being in the kingdom, be part of the kingdom and, and what the kingdom looks like. And there's all these things. And it's, it shouldn't be a surprise to us. Think of how many times Jesus tells people, he says, let me tell you what the kingdom is like. And he uses examples of things that start little and then get big later, right? It's like a seed in the ground. It starts little, next thing you know, it's a tree and all kinds of things are in it. And so you see this. Now we know more than the disciples knew at this time 
that that distance, there was some distance between that initial establishing of the kingdom in Christ and what he did on the cross and the ultimate fulfillment of the kingdom at the very end. Now, we know it's at least 2,000 years long. That's pretty, it's a long time. I don't think many saw that, that it would be like this. They definitely didn't see it from that point of view. But I want you to listen to this carefully. So I think that that's going to help us understand the warning passages next. Because let's be honest. One of the most challenging things about Christianity in our world from 2,000 years ago to today is keeping at it. I mean, where's Jesus? He came. He said he was coming back. Where's he at? People for 2,000 years have been saying, been clinging on to the hope that he would return, and it's taken a lot longer than any of them. And so Jesus, I think, knew this is the thing about the kingdom. It's right here. It's in your midst, Pharisees. Don't miss it. But then when he turns to his disciples who have, are entering into and, and, and participating and wanting to be participants in the kingdom, he turns around and he offers some other warnings to them because the warnings that they're going to need to hear are the warnings that we all need to hear about the kingdom. So let's take a look next here. He says to his disciples, The days are coming when you would desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. Who's the Son of Man referring to? Jesus. Okay? He says, You will not see it. And they will say to you, Look there, look here. Don't go out or follow them. They were asking about the kingdom. Let's be honest. This phrase, doesn't this speak to you in our world today? Anybody ever wake up, watch the news and go, where's Jesus at? I thought he'd be here by now. Like, what's, what's going on? Like, I, I thought for sure. And we're not the first to have wrestled with that. Jesus knew a long time is going to come along. And then he says this, for as the lightning flashes... And this is where you know he's talking about something different. As the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. So if history is progressing along, Israel, Jesus arrives, the kingdom is established, the kingdom is now, it's happening, there are people who are participants in it, there are people who are citizens of the kingdom, Paul talks about us as citizens of heavens, the, the kingdom is happening right now, but there's another moment in time that the Bible throughout refers to as the day. There's this moment that's coming that's not the days of something. There's a day coming. The whole Bible always refers to it as a day. It's a moment. Boom. And one of the things that Jesus wants us not to miss here is when that day comes, nobody's going to be missing it and nobody's going to be confused about it. It's, it's coming. About a thousand years ago, people thought, maybe we're close. 500 years ago, like, man, we're close. You can go all the way back here to, man, we're close. There, there's all kinds of thoughts about this. But don't get confused. That day is going to come. There's a day in our future. I know, like all others, we always think it could happen in our lifetime. I really think that's possible, don't you? But here's the thing that Jesus doesn't want you to miss. Nobody's going to miss it. <laughs> Everything changes after that moment, after that day. Everything's different, and nobody will miss it. He tells them, first, he must suffer. Before that day, there's this. So, I mean, it's laying out, he's laying out very clearly for his disciples to understand. There's this, and then there's that. In between, don't get led astray. This is one of our first warnings. Don't be led astray in the meantime. You ever seen a comic strip where they go, meanwhile? <laughs> that, this is a long meanwhile, isn't it? Now, let me ask you, have, have people been led astray from that time to this time? Okay, I tried to do another little technical thing. That'll be the last one, I promise. You ready for it? Um, <clears throat> okay, here we go. I got my little pencil going here. 
Okay, so time was progressing. And have people been led astray? Yeah. About 500 years after Jesus, there's this guy that said, and he was out in the wilderness, he said, hey, that was Jesus, but I'm telling you what, I'm the one, Muhammad. There's another one coming, and it's me. Roman Catholicism lost its way. Hey, you got all the things that the word of God says? Nope, nope, we're, we're the ones that are gonna say this. You've got Mormonism. A lot of weird similarities between Mormonism and Islam, by the way. Oh, this prophet. No, 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 I know what Jesus said, but this. All along the way, you've seen Christianity. But one of the, my favorite things about Christian history is that what you see, I'm not doing that in real time, by the way. You guys know that, right? I'm not up here. <laughs> um, what you see is that there's this thread of genuine, what we would call orthodox Christianity that holds true to the Bible from Jesus' day to this day. Now, there's been a lot of people along the way that have been led astray, and now we're, I think we're being hit with a multitude of variants shifting out there, right? But here's the thing. Jesus warned us 2,000 years ago, until that day comes, don't get led astray. This isn't easy. This is easy, isn't it? Are you guys all with me? Don't get led astray. That's one of the key warnings he has for people who claim to be followers of Jesus is don't be led astray. Don't get deceived. Don't get tricked. Don't be led astray. That happened. The next big thing is this. In the meantime, just be faithful to his words and his truth and don't get led astray. He established a, an organization of people to help keep that from happening. And though it's been plagued with all kinds of challenges, you can find it still today. You know what that organization is that Christ established and he calls himself the head of? The church. We're not to be lone rangers. God has put us in community to hold fast to the truth. But I don't want you to miss, and this is why I thought, man, I could get into all kinds of little end times things here. But I'm telling you what, the most important warning that he gives to people who claim to be followers is don't get led astray. Stay true to his word and his teaching. There's going to be many people, and he's right. There there has been. In the last 2,000 years, there's been all kinds of branches branching off and distorting and trying to work against it. And it's been amazing watching God protect the truth, and you find this vein of Christianity streaming down through history of people who have been faithful, sometimes in the face of death, to just hold true to his word. Don't be led astray. Now, let's get into the next part. He says this next, and this is where I know. We start thinking about all these, but let's listen to what he says, just as it was in the days of Noah. So will it be in the days of the Son of Man? So the days leading up to the day is the days, the days leading up to the day. And just the way it was, no. And what are the things he mentions here? He says, what were they doing? What's the first thing? They were what? Eating. What was the second thing? Drinking. Third thing? Marrying. Fourth? Being given a marriage. Sounds pretty regular, doesn't it? Life continued happening. Now think about this for a moment. In the story of the flood, there were people who knew of the ark, because we know this, that Noah preached the truth of the ark. God's going to destroy. Listen. God's going to destroy. Listen. Nobody listened. Up until the day that the flood came, there were people just, there, were, there would have been people that were just in their houses. Maybe there was actual wedding ceremonies going on. And then Everything broke loose. The fountains of the deep, the rain from the sky, the floods came. Nobody survived except those in the ark. Judgment was coming. And the only ones that were saved were the ones that were in the ark. And this is the warning. Jesus says, it's going to, okay, so we got this time period. Jesus came, established the kingdom, gospel message. It's like the ark. Get on the ark. Get on the ark. Look to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He's the king. When this day comes, this is a day of judgment. Now, I'm not a hellfire brimstone kind of preacher. 
But you have to understand, the day that's coming is a day of judgment that's coming. And there's no, not going to be any like right in the last second there. I mean, it's going to come. And if you are not where you're supposed to be, you will be wiped away. Jesus gives another example to his disciples. He said, there's one example. No entered the ark, the flood came, destroyed them all. Second example he gives, he says, here's another example. He's pulling historical examples of times where God dealt out justice and judgment on people. In both of these cases, there were only a few that God protected through the judgment. The second example says, likewise, just like the last one, just as it was in the days of Lot. They were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. What were they doing here again? What was the first thing? They were what? Eating. Second thing. Third thing. Fourth. Fifth. Last one. Building. But on the day, there was a day that came in that city, in those cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. On that day, Lot went out from Sodom, and when that happened, we read that fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. And he says this. Oh, did I not have it up there? Oh, there you go. I had it the last verse. And so will it be. That next day that comes is going to be like those two examples. Everybody's doing whatever, and all of a sudden the day comes, and judgment comes. So what's the warning here? Be ready for judgment. Now I want you to think about all the times that we've read just in Luke already, Jesus talking to his disciples about being ready. Just be ready. Just be ready. Judgment is coming. Noah was ready by being obedient in building an ark. Lot was ready, barely, by being obedient and leaving the city. You too need to be ready, Jesus says to his disciples. There are two sub-warnings here. The first one we're going to see, and I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you here, in being ready for judgment is this one. Don't turn back. This is a weird one for, I think, many of you, because you see there's something that has infiltrated Christianity that I think is a dangerous falsehood. Okay? There's this thing that's entered Christianity that, that thinks of you being a Christian, you being a disciple of Jesus as this, this moment, this one time. Okay, I did this thing, and now I'm in, part of the kingdom. I want you to understand that even though Christianity, the salvation of a soul, happens in a moment, the Bible does not describe followers as people that that's it. This is probably one of the most important things that I'm going to say to you today. One of the key describing realities of a true, someone who's really a part of the kingdom, is that they make it to the end. And even if they don't make it to the end, they make it to their end. Listen to what Jesus says. If you go, I don't know if that's true. Listen to his, just listen to his warning. He's talking to disciples that said, yeah, we're all in. Let me ask you this. Of the 12, was there one that didn't make it all the way to the end? What was his name? From all outward signs, he had made the commitment to follow after Christ. He was doing all these things, but he did not make it to the end, which revealed something about who he really was. But listen, listen to the warning. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. Likewise, the one who is in the field not turn back. Now think about what he's saying here. Don't let cares and concerns of this world cause you to turn away. Sometimes the following of Jesus means you're going to lose everything in the house. Sometimes it means you're going to lose everything in the field. You're going to lose it all for the sake of his name. Has he actually been saying that to his disciples leading up through Luke? Has he? Yeah. So here he is. He says, you, you got to stick with it to the end. And then he says this. 
Well, who's Lot's wife? Now, some of you know. Some of you may not. Let me tell you what happened in the story of Lot and his wife. There's a lot of other things going on in this story, but right at that moment when the judgment is about to be poured out, God's messenger told Lot, get out of here. And he grabs his wife, he grabs his daughters, and they start running, right? Lot's wife does something. Well, I think you can figure out what it is. What did Lot's wife do? She's going and she just turns back. The judgment that they were experiencing in this city fell down upon her. The Bible talks about it as turning into a pillar of salt. What's happening? The, the, the sulfur, the judgment, what's going on in, she hadn't really left. There are a lot of people who claim Christianity who call themselves believers, call themselves followers, and they start down that path. Jesus told a parable about this, didn't he? Seed planted in a field. Some seeds spring up right away, but get choked out by the cares of the world. Some seed gets on shallow ground, has no root, dies out. The seed is the word of God. Some seed just gets plucked away by the birds. But what's the one that matters? The one that gets roots and digs and starts growing and bearing fruit? Remember, Lot's wife, what happened to her? She started on the journey. She started going that way, but didn't keep at it. You go, is that really, are you really saying that, that I have to endure all the way to the end if I'm really a believer? I wonder if Jesus ever said that anywhere. In the parallel passage in Matthew 24, Jesus just blatantly says it to his disciples. Matthew's sharing of this story, he shares a little bit more information than Luke does. And one of the statements he shares is this. The one who, the one who endures to the end will be saved. So it's not the ones that start the journey that are saved. It's the ones that go all the way. Now this may be throwing some little loops. You're like, this is not what I... Okay. At some point, you're going to have to decide, am I going to base my Christianity, my beliefs on the Bible based on what I was told or based on what the Word of God says? And you've got to understand, as much as it talks about salvation as a moment that happens, it also talks about salvation as something that keeps happening and something that will happen all the way to the end. So if you're sitting here today saying, how do I know if I'm a Christian, really? Because there's some people that think they are. Jesus talks about that in his Sermon on the Mount. There's a whole bunch of people, he says. They say, oh, did, didn't we call Lord, Lord, didn't we do these things? Didn't we do this? And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. How do I know then? I don't, want, I don't want to get up there on that day. I don't want to die in whatever way happens and stand before God and him to say, I never knew you. How do I know? There, there's a lot of little signs, but one of the key, most important signs is if you stick with it to your end. You don't. That's a real blaring sign that it wasn't there all along. The Apostle John in one of his letters says they went out of us because they were not all of us. This is the reality. This is why this is a warning to disciples. So if you're here and you're like, no, I'm a follower of Jesus. Here's the thing. Here's how you can know. Are you going to stick with it to the end? We live in a, a world today where I see people left, honestly, I'm just being honest with you. I see people left and right, people that I know, people I've known for years. It's people that I thought for sure, just, they got to a certain point, and they're just like, I'm out. I'm out. Honestly, it breaks my heart. I'm like, oh, no. Because I know these texts. I, there's times I wish it wasn't so. Can I say that? Can pastors say that? a little bit of me that wishes it wasn't so. I wish, the, I wish the salvation worked like, I made it, I'm in, that's it, and you, you can end up wandering off and doing whatever you want, living whatever life you want, and you're still, but, but you had this thing. I wish the Bible said, it just doesn't say it. It just doesn't. But again and again, the Bible authors, and Jesus himself specifically, turns to his disciples. The Pharisees like, when's the end happening? What's going to happen? What's it getting? And Jesus says, I got to warn you guys, here's the thing. It's going to be, there's a, there's a road between. Kingdoms now, the days, there are going to be days, you're, you're going to have all kinds of time that's going to pass. We're going to be like, man, I want the Son of Man to come. And he says, just don't quit. 
Keep at it to the very end. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. And I have to say, that is exactly the detractor that so often tears people down. Let me give you one example. I know that I'm going to give this example, and you're going to think I'm talking about somebody specific, but there's probably a dozen cases of this exact same thing. Somebody who claims to be a Christian, they're following, they're going to church, everything else, but they, they hit this point in their marriage. It's always marriage. And they go, I'm not happy with this person. There's conflict. Now, Jesus talks about marriage, talks about what you should do, and if both people are willing, and, and there's a whole bunch of little, what about, what about, what about? Okay, but let's just say this thing here. When you got one person at least that just goes, you know what, I don't care if Jesus says I should do this, I'm out. I'm going to find happiness somewhere else. That's exactly what he's warning us about. The one thing that pulls us down is when we, we put our own happiness, the, the here and now happiness, above and beyond anything else. I don't care what Jesus says. I want to get what I want. And Jesus says, whoever per- seeks to preserve his life will lose it in the end. But whoever loses his life will keep it. This warning for his followers. Now, I'm going to share the next few verses. I'm going to tell you right now, most of you in this room, you're going to hear it and you think it's going to be talking about something and it's not talking about that at all. Okay, so let's just clear something up. I tell you that in that night there will be two in one bed, one will be taken, the other left. You go, oh, rapture. That's not what this is talking about. Because the one that's being taken, where they be, like, okay, let's go back to Noah. Who got taken in the story of Noah? Noah was preserved. Who got wiped away? Do I need to go back to it? Who got wiped away? Was it Noah? Did he get taken away? No, who got taken away? Everybody else. In judgment. In the story that we just heard of Lot, right? Lot left, but who got swept away? In judgment. This is not talking about the rapture. Do I believe there's a rapture? Yes. This passage isn't talking about it, though. I know, some of you are singing a little song in your head, and I'm telling you right now, that's not what, that's, that's a, it's a mistake. He's saying, Jesus is saying, this is what life is going to be like. You're going to have two people, right? I'll tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, I'm going to add these words in so that you understand what he's talking about, because this is what he's talking about. One will be taken in judgment, and the other left. There will be two women grinding Right at the mill together. One will be taken in judgment. The other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken in judgment. The other, this is not talking about the rapture. This is talking about taken in judgment because that's all those texts is what he's talking about. I think there's a couple of implications here. Sometimes this just happens in day-to-day life. You can have two people walking along through life and God just says, enough. Did we not just see that recently in the story of the rich man and Lazarus? What's the rich man doing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build these barns. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And Jesus said, don't you know this, this night your soul will be required of you? Does God sometimes just say, enough? Yes. And if you're sitting here right now and you're saying, no, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm telling you right now, if you're not living it, Understand that at some point, God could just say, enough. You've blasphemed my name long enough. You've been calling yourself a Christian, not living it enough. That happens. It would be wrong of me to not tell you that truth. I know. It'd be a lot better to come to church and just, just I'm up here and I just start telling you all kinds of fluffy things, right? There's a lot of fluffy stuff that I love. Like, does Jesus love you? Absolutely. Did Jesus die on the cross to save you? Absolutely. He died on the cross to save you from judgment, but also from sin now. He did that for you. To free you to live for him in this life, in the meantime. That's all there. But there's no other Bible character that starts talking about judgment as much as one Bible character talks about it more than any other Bible character. Feel free. And it's not in the Old Testament. I know you thought, I know that's what you thought.
All that judgment stuff, that's the Old Testament. Nope. And we had two stories of it, but there's worse things going to happen in the New Testament. And you know who keeps talking about it? Somebody take a guess. Jesus does. He introduces the idea of eternal judgment. Not just flood judgment, not just Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, he's telling us those are pictures of the real judgment that's coming. And God had those happen so that you don't fall prey and have this one happen. And he talks about the eternal judgment as a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That was Jesus that taught about that. Jesus is the one that said, it, it's, it's, it's a place where the worm doesn't die. So you, you might die, but you're not going to die. You're going to be stuck there forever. Eternal anguish. One of the things I think I've seen in our world, this is, can I, can I venture off down a, a rabbit trail? Can I do a rabbit trail? A little rabbit trail here? Would, would you guys agree that one of the things in, in our world right now, I'm, I'm going to use the word polarizing. I, I feel like when COVID hit, didn't it kind of have a polarizing effect? Do you know what I mean by polarizing? Like North Pole, South Pole. And you started seeing people going, they either went this way or that way. Right? I think I got a picture. There we go. Right and left. I know what some of you are saying. Right and wrong. Okay. Right and left. You guys know where the right and left came from? Those terms happened during the French Revolution. Um, the, the, on the right side of the, the king was the ones that were going to be faithful to the king, the more conservative side. The left side were the revolutionaries. And that's where we get the terms right and left. That's where that started. And we started seeing this, didn't we? Would you guys agree with that? In our world, we see people kind of going one way or the other. Yeah, I see everybody going, uh-huh, okay, good, 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 okay. Uh, I'm going to tell you something that a lot of people aren't going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you right now that everybody that's on the right isn't on the same side. Now, now there's some things that we can work with together. Like, for example, I heard somebody give this mind nugget of thought. He said, if, if you saw a car flip over, and you're like, oh, no, and you see somebody trapped in the car, and you start running over, and say this other guy is coming over next to you, it, you're going to try to get this guy out. You're not going to stop that guy and go, wait, 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 wait. I don't know if I can work with you. Are you a Christian? <laughs> no. We have the same goal at this moment. We can work. To, I mean, there's things that we can link arms with people and we go, yeah, yeah, we're going to try to stop this bad thing from happening save this person, right? This person could be an atheist. They could be something completely different. But we, we have a similar, and you see that. You see some of these people leaning this conservative way. But I'm telling you what, we're not all on the same side, not really. There's some on this side that basically what they're over here because there's conservative principles that they're upholding. It has nothing to do with Christianity or the church or anything like that. Would you agree with that? And there's some people that are leaning right, and it has nothing to do with God. I'll give you an example. Here's a crazy example that you probably don't even know exists. There's this group on the Internet that does a whole lot of work against groomers. You guys know what groomers are? Everybody's familiar with that term? Adults that are persuading children into inappropriate things, right? There's a, there's a group on the internet called Gays Against Groomers. Now, I'm telling you what, they might be fighting against that, but they're not on the same <laughs> plane of thought. Agreed? So there's some people that have leaned right, and I'm telling you right now, there's a division coming. I think we're going to see initial thing, additional things happening in a world that's going to make these distinctions even more clear. I think even amongst those that hold the Christian principles, I think there's still, we're not all on the same side. I think there's some people that are Christian sympathizers. They like what Christianity has brought. Let's be honest, Christianity has brought some wonderful things to our world. Christianity introduced the idea that children are people. That's an, one of my favorite historical realities. Before Christianity, children were discardable. Outside of Christianity, they still are. It was Christianity that started saying, no, these are people. The great book out there called, when, 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 I think it's called When Christians Made uh, When Children Became People, that's what it's called. It's all about how the influence of Christianity worked into the world. Let me give you another one. Christianity... And it's people in the Christian realm and understanding what God has done and what he did that brought about the end of this abhorrent version of slavery that you saw in America in history. It was Christians that started going, hold up, wait a minute. 
Christianity has brought some great things to our world. There's a lot of Christian principles that are written into the way our country was formed with all the freedoms that we have here. And our, our country has blossomed because of those things. I know there's people trying to rewrite history. But I'm telling you what, anybody with their head screwed on straight knows it's, it's a Christian reality that brought it about. But there were some other things going on amongst those. In fact, even amongst our founding fathers, there were some people who weren't Christians. Benjamin Franklin, you ever heard of him? Or how about this one, Thomas Jefferson. I've used this illustration a few times. Some of you don't know this. There was a point where Thomas Jefferson sat down with a Bible in one hand and a razor blade in the other hand. And you know what he did? He started going through and cutting out what he wanted to keep and getting rid of the things he didn't. Right? We see the same exact thing happening, filtering down into our world today. People who have not stuck with it to the end, but there's been people that have come along again and again and again and again to pull us away from God's truth and his word. You see people branching off. And Jesus' warning is, don't miss. And I don't want anybody to be confused. Just because you've leaned right doesn't mean you're part of the kingdom. Just because you've leaned right within the right doesn't mean you're part of the kingdom. And just because you leaned right within the right within the right doesn't mean you're part of the kingdom. Just because you walked into this building doesn't mean you're part of the kingdom. Time will tell is the warning. Now, are there things you can begin to do now to say, man, am I all in? I think there's all kinds of clues. I'll share one more, and then I'm going to end this time. I remember when I was a kid, um, if you would have asked me when I was a senior in high school, Matt, are you a Christian? I would have said, absolutely. If you would have said, how do you know? I would have said, I don't know, because I remember this time. I was going to church. I, I remember when I prayed. I remember when I confessed my sins. I remember when I, I got baptized, all this, I mean, I, I had all the right answers. Now, I'm talking about for me, okay? I'm telling you what. There were clues, though, that that wasn't real. Let me give you the first one. Dad, I'm sorry. <laughs> I started to realize a couple years after high school that my obedience to God's word wasn't based on the fact that Jesus was my Lord and Savior and my King. My obedience to God's word was because I didn't want to get in trouble. Now, there were clues all along because I found that if I could get away with it, if I knew. Now, I was smart in a bad way. <laughs> and I knew if I could get away with it, that became the determining factor if I did it. It had nothing to do with God. It had nothing to do with his word. All it was was, I don't want to get in trouble. And it started to reveal itself. And then what happened as I got out of high school? There was less boundaries. And what did I find myself doing more and more of? More and more things that were not pleasing to God, and I knew it. The signs were there. Now, if you would ask me even at that point, are you? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. I, mean, I know I'm backslidden. Oh. Baloney. I picked up God's word one day and read James 2.14. What, is it my, what does it profit my brother and if a man says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? There's a faith that doesn't save. It's a faith that does not have works built into it and associated with it. So I'm telling you right now, I don't want you to miss God's kingdom right now. There's clues. There's glimmers. There's revealers in this life. What you do when nobody's watching you, that's who you really are. What you do when you're positive you're not going to get caught, that's you. That's not somebody else. That's you. Don't go, well, that wasn't really me. No, that's you. That, I hate to tell you, but that was you that did those things. If you want to know who you are, ask yourself, what do you do consistently? Judgment, though, is coming. His disciples end this by saying, where, Lord? And every commentary has said, don't, don't read beyond what this is saying. Um, when there's a corpse, what do you see? Vultures. 
There's vultures. There's a corpse. There's a corpse. Oh, look, some vultures. It's just a saying that's saying these things start to become obvious and apparent. Are you really a child of God? Or are you not? Look for the signs. Look for the clues. This is not about trying to picture when the day is coming. This is about trying to picture who you are. Brings me full circle back to the beginning. Being asked by the Pharisees where the kingdom of God would come, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The Pharisees were right there in front of the king of the universe, and they completely missed it. You're sitting here right now. You're hearing the word of God preached and taught. Don't miss it. Don't miss the kingdom now. Judgment is coming. Be ready for judgment is our Savior's warning. Don't turn back. Don't miss it. Don't miss it right now. Um... This is one of those times where I want to talk about, just briefly as we get ready to do this, I want to talk about getting saved for just a minute. Can I do that? If you're sitting here today and you don't absolutely know, I know I'm a child of God, don't wait another day. If you're just, if you're like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm telling you, it's, it's, this is such a challenging thing, but here's, here's a way that you may have some doubts that should be there that maybe aren't. If your confidence is just because you made a profession and that's where your Christianity ended, then I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm pretty sure you're probably not a Christian. Not really. Jesus' followers make it to the end. They stick with it. Things are getting tough in our world, are they not, to stick with it? Frankly, one of my favorite things that's so difficult, but I love at the same time, I, I'm just going to be honest with you, I love it, is that our world is making things clear on whose side people are on. It's becoming more and more obvious. I thank the Lord for the difficult times that we're facing because it's making it really obvious whose side people are on. But frankly, there's still some people that are claiming this side that aren't. And I'm telling you, judgment is coming. And God will weed out all of the rest of the fakers. Even the fakers that have faked themselves out. And think they're just fine. God will bring those things to light as well. And when the day comes, it'll be like a lightning strike. And everybody will know who he is and who we are. And then everything changes, and there will be no hope at that point. So his warning is, don't delay. Don't turn back. Stick to the course. Make it to the end. Maybe you're sitting here today just, just waffling on that. Maybe, maybe you have. Maybe you've veered off completely. You've abandoned God's words and God's ways. Don't let another day go by that you don't go, how do I find repentance? Turn me back. To, I need it, Lord. Let today be that day. Now, if you are here today and you're sitting here saying, all of my confidence is in what Christ has done for me, then what we're getting ready to do is for you. If you are not at that place, when these, these come around, don't, don't grab. Nope, we're not gonna be like monitoring. We don't have hidden cameras. Well, they didn't grab. We'll have to get them afterwards. No, that's not how it works. This, Paul the Apostle says, if you take of this in an unworthy fashion, you eat and drink judgment on yourself. I, I want to explain to you what I think that means. If, if you are not sticking the course and you've turned away or you're faking it and you're not really in it, I like talking about it, but I'm not gonna obey in the things I don't really like. And then you come over here and you take this, you're saying, you're acknowledging what Jesus did for you and then you're turning around and not living it. That adds to the audacity 
of what you're doing, does it not? It's one thing for a person to go, I didn't know Jesus did any of those things for me. But it's something completely different to know all that Christ has done for you and then to still say, I'm not going to do what he says because, I mean, I'll do these things that he says because I like him, but this thing that he says here, I'm not going to do it because I don't like it. And then you're going to take this and acknowledge what he did for you? You see the horrendous nature and why Paul the Apostle warned about taking this if you're not all in? But if you're here today and you're like, I'm all in. There Now there's some junk I got to get worked out because I have not been. But I was reminded today by the Spirit of God, there's some things I need to turn around. There's some things I need to start working on. There's some things I need to have the Spirit of God working repentance in my heart starting today. And if that's you, take. Remind yourself what Christ did and let that be an encouragement. Yes, that's right. That's right. I forgot. I forgot for a little bit what Jesus did. I'm going to remember it today, and I, Lord, help it to stick in my mind all week. When I'm tempted to go where I, I'm tempted to, to veer off from what God has for me to do, I, let this be a reminder to me of all that he did so I don't wander away before the end. Because you may not know when the end is coming, but you definitely don't know when your end is coming. And it could be today. It could be today. Are you ready? That's Jesus' warning. I'm going to have the men come up. I'm going to pray that God would bless this. They're going to distribute. I encourage you to grab. They're double cupped. If you're a follower of Jesus and you need that reminder and you want that reminder and you cling to that reminder this week, then grab it, cling to it, hold on to that cup. I'll talk you through the rest. But if you're here today and you're like, I don't know, don't eat and drink judgment on yourself. Let it pass by. I would encourage you to come talk to me afterwards. Let's remedy those things. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray now that you would bless this bread and this cup. Lord, we know it's just bread. We know it's just this cup of juice. Lord, we know that's all it really is. But God, it is also a means of grace for us today who are followers of you, being diligent to the end. It's been 2,000 years. We're clinging by the skin of our teeth, sometimes it feels like, to your truth and your ways and your words. Some of us have given up and sacrificed so much already. Help us not to just ride on the laurels of those sacrifices, but help us to keep at it to the end, not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done. Help us not to grow weak or faint of heart and give up. Lord, I pray for those today in this room that are clinging to you to grab this bread and this cup and and with all of their fervency say lord help me never to forget what you've done i pray this in christ's name amen